Betsy, keep your trap shut. Hello, 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 all and sundry, and welcome to the Cancelled Movie Report, the documentary podcast series that talks about all the best movies that Hollywood never made. My name is Cambo, and I will be your host, but I couldn't possibly do this alone, so to help me along is an actor, he's a comedian, he is Eden Porter. Hello, hello. And now, Eden, this week we're talking about a beloved franchise, Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. What are your thoughts on Indiana Jones? I love a bit of Indiana Jones. Well, let me tell you, originally, before we were going to do the movie we're doing today, The Monkey King, I was researching a whole different Indiana Jones movie, and I stumbled upon this one. And I had to change direction. When when I discovered that this movie existed, I dropped the other one. I'm like, no, no, no. We're doing this one. It's that good? So, well, I... Well, (laughs) debatable. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Indiana Jones first hit our screens in 1981 and became an instant classic. A character and franchise that has endured for over 35 years in not only movies, but TV shows, books, and video games. But it hasn't always been smooth sailing for the whip-wielding archaeologist teacher with a cavalcade of sequels never managing to make the big screen. But before we talk about today's movie, the original third installment of the Indiana Jones series titled The Monkey King, we need to talk about the franchise in general. Yes, yes. Now, it is one of those films that we saw as young lads Yes, um, back in the day. And I know everyone has their favourite ones. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, of course, of course, um, <laughs> is The Last Crusade. Yes, okay. Absolutely amazing. Now, I can, I'm can. i going to guess mm-hmm. that you are one of those people uh-huh. that's going to say, well, it's actually, the, uh, the best Indiana Jones is actually Temple of Doom. Right. Uh, now, I am offended because <laughs> I, I know the kind of person you're referring yes. to. Yes. There's a kind of person that... that they like being the um, the, de- the unpopular <laughs> yes, opinion. Correct. Uh, but I hate to break your heart, but oh. my favourite is also The Last Crusade. Yes, good one. And I think learn. it has to do with... Um, generally, it's always seen like the Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best one. Yep. That's the, the regular yeah, the consensus. consensus yep. But I think that that is normally just the first one that everyone sees. And it leaves the impression on it. But my first one I ever saw was The Last Crusade. You so, saw the last one? Yeah. Well, you, you must have been totally thrown. That came out in '89, so uh, that wasn't that old when I was born. Yep. So I don't. I, I guess that was. Just, I actually watched them backwards. I watched really? the Last Crusade, oh my God. and then the Temple of Doom, and then the last one I saw was Raiders of the Lost Ark. So while I see that it's a classic, it's actually the one I had the least personal connection to. Well, they're, look, they're all fantastic. They're all absolutely amazing films, yeah. and I love. But I think Sean Con- adding Sean Connery, yeah. bloody well loved. Did, <laughs> they, weren't they like very similar in age? They're when 12 they, years apart. Yeah, yeah, I know. To play his dad in the thing, which Though, is insane. in fairness, they don't look 12 years apart. No, they do not. He, uh, Sean Connery looked terrible <laughs> and Harrison Ford looked great. So, okay, that's interesting because our favourite one uh, is the third one, mm. collectively. And we're talking about a movie that almost replaced Would that as the third, the third one. the third one, yeah. But so- when George Lucas first approached Steven Spielberg about making Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, George Lucas, in classic George Lucas style, claimed that he had enough stories for three Indiana Jones movies. So after Raiders brought in $384 million at the box office and it made it the fourth highest grossing film ever at the time, uh, it became very apparent very quickly that George Lucas didn't have enough stories for three <laughs> movies and they started to outsource the stories. 
Uh, so uh, Lucas and screenwriter William Haddock and Gloria Katz, they borrowed ideas that were cut from Raiders of the Lost Ark and they kind of hodgepodge together the Temple of Doom. Yep. So that was like a bunch of like scrapped yeah, ideas. And, it's, and it seems like that. Yeah, and it, it came out and it, it uh, gained $333 million at the box office. So, you know, pretty good, but not quite as good as the previous. Now, since very early on, Lucas had always wanted to use the Holy Grail as the Indiana Jones MacGuffin. Steven Spielberg didn't like that. He thought it was too mystical. George Lucas came back to him and said, okay, well, what about for the third film, we take out the Holy Grail and we make it the Monkey King. And for those who don't know what the Monkey King yeah, is- please tell us. It's actually an old Chinese legend. Um, Sun Wukong is the Monkey King. And he is an ageless uh, uh, half man, half ape um, uh, icon in, in China. And in fact, there's actually a series of films called The Monkey King now that China produced. They're big hits in China. Uh, so they hired screenwriter Christopher Columbus- who had just oh. come off writing Gremlins at the time yes, for Steven good. Spielberg. Yeah. So Steven Spielberg's like, he's, like, he's my buddy. Christopher Get involved. And he is largely who you have to thank now for the Harry Potter movies. He's yeah. the guy that started them off. He directed the first two Harry Potter movies and he cast the whole crew in Harry Potter. He set up a lot of the aesthetics for those movies. Mate, so he's getting the job done. They brought Christopher Columbus in and there's a couple of things to consider uh, about this movie. One is Temple of the Doom. Temple of Doom was darker and grittier than Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was the feedback, and yeah. And it, it's actually the movie that made in America that it made them invent the PG-13 rating because they said it's it's worse than PG, but it's not quite an R. Yeah, because, well, they eat monkey brains in yeah. it. There's a couple of people I, it's that It's definitely the yeah. darkest. Yeah, definitely. And, well, there's the child. There's the slave labor in yeah. it. And, yeah, exactly. So uh, they, they thought it made less money and it was a little bit darker. So they told Christopher Columbus to lighten it up and make it more family friendly. So I'm guessing, so what am I guessing? So there's going to be in China, there's going to be a lot going on over there, mm-hmm. but there's going to be some sort of kid sidekick uh-huh. in the same vein as Short Round. Yeah. There's going to be uh, some hijinks, I reckon, involving some sort of mode of transportation at some point. Okay. Um, and uh, and a villain, is the, are the Nazis back? Look, you're wrong about most of what you've said. <laughs> Uh, but I will tell you this, the Nazis are back. Because it, it, it's, especially in the fourth Indiana Jones, it doesn't feel right having a different antagonist. Yeah, well, Because yeah, in the fourth one, it was the, allowed, the Russians. Are we allowed to talk about the fourth one? Yeah. Well, originally, I mentioned this at the beginning, I was researching another movie, which was the original fourth Indiana Jones. Gotcha. So I think, you know, we need to accept that it does exist. I just don't want to accept that. <laughs> so... Uh, so, and I think what we need to do with this movie is put it through what I call the Indiana Jones test. Famously, there's a theory that states that Indiana Jones is kind of superfluous to the plots of his own movies. Yes, and it doesn't you, actually you, matter. Yeah, If you took him out of the story, everything would play out almost exactly the same. So, for example, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, if he wasn't there, they would have mm. opened the Ark of the Covenant and, and they would have had their faces died. melted. Yep. The Last Crusade... Uh, if they hadn't made their way to that temple anyway, they would have chosen the wrong cup and he would have died. They would have chose Paul. <laughs> and even the fourth one passes this test. If you remember, and I don't know how well you remember the fourth one. Blocked out most of uh, them. But uh, Kate Blanchett uh, and Indiana Jones and the gang find the interdimensional alien skeletons. Oh my God, Ow, I'm getting a headache. They put the crystal skull on top. <laughs> they all combine together and it's too much. And uh, Kate, uh, Kate Blanchett kind of disintegrates. So again, Indiana yeah. Jones being there had no effect on the plot. So I think afterwards we need to run through whether or not we'll this passes 
the Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones plot. Test. You will find that the only one that doesn't pass this is Temple of Doom because Eden, it's the best. It's the best one. <laughs> Lies. People, people don't think this, but it's the best one. <laughs> okay, so that's a little bit about Indiana Jones, and we both love the third one. But let's find out about the movie that was almost Indiana Jones three. Let's get into Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. So the story begins, Eden, in Scotland, 1937. That's as far away from China as you can get. (laughs) So Indiana Jones is fishing in a lake when his peaceful time is interrupted by a group of villagers led by Inspector McGowan. And they're all asking for his help. So Indiana Jones is swept away with a group of villagers to investigate what's going on. You value our friendship, Mac. More than me, ain't And this better not be some wild goose chase. Keep wild geese were after Dr. Jones. He got me word on that. And a McGowan's word is truer than an angel's kiss. A corpse lies before them. All of its bones have been broken. The man's pale greenish face is frozen in a hideous grimace. Scotty Ferguson. He's the eighth. Just like the others. All his bones busted, crushed. Whoever's killing these people, they're not human. It's there again. An ancient Scottish castle. The interior is completely dark, save for a small flickering candlelight. It burns from the castle's upstairs window. That light only burns after a murder's been committed. Let's go. So we're off to a spooky beginning. This is like a horror film. <laughs> yeah. So the I candle can, only burns when a murder's been committed. I can actually provide context on why it's starting this way. And this is from George Lucas himself. So this this is a miniaturized version of a whole other Indiana Jones film that they were working on. The original story for the third film was a haunted castle movie. But Stephen had just finished Poltergeist, so he said, I don't want to do another Haunted Castle movie. So I said, okay. And I said, well, give me a chance with it. I'm going to take the Haunted Castle and put it at the beginning for the teaser, and then I'll do the Holy Grail. And we did that script, but it didn't really turn out that well. So <laughs> the story of George's <laughs> later career. <laughs> so, And I think we need to address this. If there is a villain overall of the Indiana Jones franchise, and I'm not one for like the uh, faceless internet bashing, but I feel we need to bring this up. It's George Lucas. Uh, Because if you look into the history of Indiana Jones movies, George Lucas has pitched some truly insane ideas. And a lot of the time, things that get through in Indiana Jones movies are uh, him being stubborn. And refusing to just, move. Yeah, and then Stephen tries to be the one that's like, oh, look, maybe we could do it like this. In and fact, George is like, no, people should look up the behind the scenes, the making of documentary about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because there's so much passive aggressive commentary between Steven Spielberg and George Lucas about Steven Spielberg clearly not wanting to do aliens, but George Lucas being like, we are doing aliens no matter what. It's It disappoints me so much. So, and, and, you know, it's worth... Christopher Columbus wrote this screenplay, but this is from a story treatment from, from George, George Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, I think George just recognizes. I think he just eats into his own hype of like, this is these my ideas are amazing. My yeah. ideas are outrageous. They're so good. Everyone loves them. And I also think that his tactic a bit is throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. sticks yeah, because every now and then he really does strike gold, and when he strikes gold, it's huge. Yep. I, I, I don't mind George. Neither I actually, do I. I actually don't mind him As at all. As a human being, I think he's actually a great guy. 
He yeah. gives back a lot. He, he seems very sincere in everything he does. Yeah. But he also obviously began to live in an echo chamber when no one told him no. Yeah. Well, you see a lot of interviews or you see a lot of behind the scenes things where everyone, that he's just surrounded by yes men. Yeah. In terms oh. of the sycophantic, like, oh, yeah, George. Yeah, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, great, oh, great idea. George. Whereas really, but then again, you look at Stephen, you think Stephen should be able to at some point be like, no, 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 George, we're not doing that. Let's pull it this way. I think this is what we need. And I don't think they ever, they ever really made magic sort of happen again. Well, so getting back into the story here. So that explains why we're in a spooky Scottish castle. Yeah, which does not sound, it does not feel Indiana Jones at all. But it is the classic Indiana Jones trope, which I love, of he has a mini adventure at the the beginning of the film that doesn't really have anything to do with the plot, but it sets up the tone, it sets up the spirit of Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. So they they go up to the castle and they enter. And inside, uh, Indy faces off against an. (laughs) He faces off against an empty animated suit of armor. So uh, you know how castles often have suits of armors in the hallway. Yep. The suit of armor comes to life okay. and has a fight with Indiana Jones. Okay. Okay. Uh, with, with nothing in it. With nothing in it. Okay. Uh, and it, it and he matches wits with a <laughs> with a uh, long to be thought uh, dead nobleman who lives inside the castle. So he's fighting empty. Uh, uh, suits of armor, yeah, and he's matching wits with this old nobleman who's long thought to be dead. So, is it was that meant? To, is that uh, when you say animated? Was it anim- in the world of the movie? Is in the it world a ghost, of the movie, yeah. or is it uh, yeah, animatronic? Yeah, no, not not CGI animation, as in animated yeah, like an- Frankenstein to be animated back to life. Yeah, okay, cool. But what was the like? How did it get animated? Was this guy well, a magical guy? This is the mystery, isn't it? So he's he's facing off against this Baron who everyone thought to be long dead. Uh, as this is happening, two police officers also burst into the room and they arrest the Baron, who they've been after for a long time. And while the Baron is being taken away in the police car, it is revealed, Eden, that the whole time he was a ghost. What? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to read to you from the script how this plays out. Okay. Baron Seagrove climbs into the back compartment of the police vehicle. Uh, Galbraith closes the vehicle door and the Baron is still visible through the vehicle's windows. He lights a cigarette. It appears that the match flames shine through the Baron's body as if he were a ghost. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So the beginning of this movie, Indiana Jones fights a ghost. ghost. (laughs) Really? Yep. That's how this movie begins. And he matches wits. He matches wits with him. So, So when they thought this nobleman that was thought long dead... He was long he dead. was long dead and had been killing people in, in the surrounding and walls breaking of Scotland, their ball bones, crushing all the bones in their, their bodies. It's pretty good for a ghost. Pretty good. The story proper kicks off when Indy gets back to Marshall University. It's here that we're first introduced to Betsy Tuffett, his teacher's assistant, who is clearly in love with Indiana Jones. We also find out that Indiana Jones has slept with one of the girl's mothers. So, oh snap! So we talk a lot about um, uh, like f- film bleed, things going into other films, and in fact, in the third Indiana Jones movie, when he comes back, he's overwhelmed by people trying to get their papers graded yeah. and flustered. It's, that is yeah. very much this scene. Uh, he is being absolutely inundated with students trying to get their marks back, and to the to the front of the pack comes Betsy Tuppet. And um, <laughs> good old Betsy Tuppet. How old is Betsy Tuppet? Uh, she is. She's very new to university. She's about nineteen. I don't think. Oh, they, okay. So she's also. Yeah. I don't think they ever clearly say. But she's not some eighty-year-old woman. It's like no, 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 Doctor no, no. Jones. No, no, no. She's in fact. It becomes very present late, 
uh, later in the script, she's too young for Indiana Jones. I'll put it that way. Oh, is there such a thing? <laughs> so now that the... And also, before I move on, actually, is it necessary to have it made clear to us that Indiana Jones has been sleeping with students' mothers? Well, it's better than him sleeping with the students. I think that's maybe the point of context. Because remember the one with the girl she writes? I love, her, love you on the, on on her, the, yeah, on <laughs> on the eyelids. On <laughs> eyelids. That's a lot of effort to yeah. go into the because bathroom. Because someone else has to do that to you. Because otherwise you'd write in reverse. <laughs> in a, so there's a, there's a whole lot of effort going in there. Because what needs to happen in that situation is she's like, I've got a plan. I'm going to write love you on my eyelids and I'm going to keep closing my eyes at Indiana Jones. And then her friend has to go, it's great. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a great <laughs> idea. I'm going to help you do that. Okay, close your eyes. Well, you can't do this alone. Yeah, Let exactly. me assist. It's a two-man job. <laughs> Ridiculous. So we now get into Indiana Jones trope number two, which is at any given point in an Indiana Jones movie, generally why he's in his tweed jacket and his wireframe glasses. He gets pulled into a stuffy library of the university yes. and he gets the MacGuffin of the movie uh, explained to him. Love it. And this one actually uh, reunites him with a very popular Indiana Jones character, uh, Marcus Brody. Marcus Brody calls a meeting with Indiana Jones because he's got something important to discuss with him. Something's come up and he needs Indiana Jones' assistance and he thinks Indiana Jones might recognize this. Look familiar. Sun Wukong, the Stone Monkey King. Big deal. That was 10 years ago, Marcus. Jeez, this hella kid's got the worst grammar. 10 years or 50 years. It will always be in your blood. Don't believe this. He spells repeat with two E's. Think back, Indiana. Remember your desire, your passion. He gets an A on content, a D on form. Damn it, man. You cannot bury those feelings forever. Two years. Nearly two years of my life looking for the remains of that monkey. A piece of his legendary golden hooped rod. Or some sign of the lost city. Nine men perished on the journey. The rest of us nearly died from starvation or one of the many horrible diseases we discovered. We still came back into here. Ah, but one mustn't give up so easily, Indiana. Give up? Marcus, we spent 13 months in China, another seven in India. But none in Africa. There was no proof, archaeological or anthropological, to indicate that Sun Wukong ever visited Africa. Until now. Hey, my papers. The woman is Dr. Claire Clark, the famous zoologist. She works in Africa, studying animals in their natural habitat. Very interesting, Marcus. Now if you'll turn the lights back on. Three weeks ago, Dr. Clark discovered that cute little fellow. Taiki, a pygmy of unusual race, unrelated to any known African tribe. Marcus... The lights. Dr. Clark believes the Taiki comes from the lost civilization of Sun Wukong. What? But how did Miss... Doctor. Dr. Clark. How did she arrive at such a preposterous hypothesis? Pygmy speaks in a language that has no African origins, but bears a strong resemblance to Chinese. Means nothing. The rivers of Africa have been plagued by various oriental pirates and scavengers since the 16th century. Not much evidence, Marcus. There's more. The pygmy was found wearing an ornamental peach stone around his neck, believed to be from Sun Wukong's legendary garden of immortal peaches. Marcus, there are countless undiscovered African tribes. 
all with various obscure beliefs and practices. One tribe may wear peach stones, another may wear banana peels. There's one final bit of evidence. Enlighten me. The pygmy is over 200 years old. That's impossible. Dr. Clark has done a considerable amount of testing on the pygmy's clothing. His sandals, everything he's wearing is over 200 years old. Probably wearing his great-grandfather's stuff. What does all of this have to do with me? Dr. Clark wants to mount an expedition to find the lost city of Sun Wukong. She's quite familiar with your reputation. She'd like you to come along. No chance. There will be money involved. The museum is willing to fund the expedition. Sorry, Marcus. I've burned this bridge. Indiana. Marcus, please. I've got to finish these. You've got to finish something more important. You've crossed the threshold over a decade ago. And it's been tearing at your insides ever since. My friend, if there is even one iota of truth in Dr. Clark's findings, then you can lift the veil of the mystery that has surrounded this Chinese legend for centuries. You may uncover the secret to a lost civilization, and possibly to man's never-ending search for immortality. Indiana, can you afford to pass up the single most important adventure of your entire life? So, oh, the classic Indiana Jones exposition dump. Love it. Every Indiana Jones movie has one. It's pivotal. I love Marcus. Yeah, he's great. He's great. <laughs> he knows a dozen languages. He'll disappear. <laughs> So good. <laughs> Does anyone speak English? <laughs> uh, so what, what do you think about this legend of Sun Wukong? Mate, I love it. I think it's, it feels I actually think it's a really, cool. really good. Although I feel like he's very gruff Indiana Jones at this point. Like mm. very much like, look, I just want to do my paperwork. Yeah. I just want to get things. He's kind of over it. He's kind of over it a bit, which I was like, oh, no, I think there would be. I, I still feel like there's a little bit of him wanting to do something. Because, in fact, at the start of the, the third Indiana Jones movie that we do have, when he comes back with the cross, he's so excited about it. Yeah. He's, like, showing it yeah. off. Yeah, 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 yeah. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> like, yeah, he's really excited about that. But then on the same token, even that, he when he finds out about the Holy Grail, he pushes back and says, oh, you've got the wrong, yeah. you've got the wrong Jones, get my father. Well, that's, that's screenwriting 101. The call to adventure is always refuse the first time. Well, yeah, that's true. Refuse if you suffer. Refuse yeah. if you suffer. <laughs> Um, <laughs> would you like a drink? No. Dear. But there we go. Dr. Claire Clark has requested Indiana Jones to help her find the lost city. And it's interesting to note, she's a doctor. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because and women can be doctors too. Thank you very much, Indiana Jones. I love that. Yeah. Indiana Jones has trouble with that. It's yeah. Like, he goes, Miss Doctor. He's like, oh, Dr. Claire Clark. <laughs> Ugh, okay. Sure. It's the 30s, mate. Mate, get around it. I love, um, and it's set, so it's Chinese, but no, it's Africa. Yeah. Which I think is. Again, a prediction of yours yeah, that turned incorrect. out to be false. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> you, you would think, Who okay, uh, it, it's a movie about a Chinese legend. That'll be set in China. Your uh, balls at uh, uh. will. It's set in Africa. Correct. So we cut to Indy packing his bags to leave in his apartment while Betsy pleads with him not to go. She confesses her love for him when he tells her that she can't come. And it's during this scene you discover that they also have slept together. Are you kidding? <laughs> so this young teacher's no. assistant, Betsy, has uh, slept with Indiana Jones and she is infatuated with him. Is this, is this Harrison Ford getting some writing credits here? <laughs> I want all the women on screen to want to sleep with me. 
ridiculous. This is this is good, Eden. You'll like this. This this is a joke. I will preface that right Hit now. Me. When Indiana Jones tells Betsy that she can't come, <laughs> don't. She tries to kill herself. What? <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is what it says in Karen, the script. That's not funny at all. We see Betsy's hand remove Indiana's whip from the bed. Suddenly, there is a creaking. One end of Indiana's whip is attached to an overhead lamp. A camera pans down the whip. The other end has formed a noose around Betsy's neck. What? She stands on a wooden chair. She kicks away the chair. Suddenly gagging, Indiana grabs Betsy in midair. He takes the noose from around her neck and places Betsy on the floor. And then he quips, what's the matter with you? Trying to ruin my whip? What? <laughs> That's not oh, yeah. actually in there. No, that that is in this script. A joke about a young, Attempted impressionable suicide. lady trying to commit suicide because her older mentor that's taken advantage of her has like refused her. How does that make Indiana look good? In well, that here's the thing: we, we were talking about screenplay tropes with yep. the refusal of the cult. Uh, and another another classic screenplay trope is something called saving Save the, the cat, cat. Yeah, in which you have your character do something uh, unabashedly good in yeah. the beginning, and then the, the audience is endeared to them. Given Al- that stamp of this is the yeah. good guy, Aladdin is a great example. He's yeah. a thief. He's running through the streets away from the the, the guards because uh, he's stolen bread. That's yeah. not an inherently likable yeah. thing. No, but he's one jump ahead of the. He's, but <laughs> what does he do when he escapes? He gives the bread to some starving children. So you're like, yeah. Aladdin's a good guy. Yeah, I like it. You know. I don't know what the opposite of save the cat. I guess kick the cat is what yeah. Indiana Jones has Harm done the cat. Harm, hang the cat. Hang the cat. <laughs> hang the Maybe cat hang is the what cat. he's done. <laughs> so uh, Indiana Jones stops her and then he leaves. This guy's a real jerk. So Indiana boards a ship to Mozambique. Once there, Indiana is joined by Dr. Clark, a no BS kind of gal. Uh, and his old friend Scraggy Breer, who is a superstitious native. And as their uh, first meeting on the docks of Mozambique, suddenly a barrel is delivered addressed to Indiana Jones. And he has no idea what this is because he didn't order anything when suddenly someone reappears. My precious. Your daughter? My assistant. His girlfriend. A child. It's nothing, really. What the hell are you doing here? Providing my love for you. How terribly sordid. Puppy love. Schoolgirl crush. She'll get over it. Never. This proves that nothing can come between us. Not an ocean, not two separate continents. I think I'm going to be ill. I mean, how could you stay alive? Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. We've been sailing for three weeks. Stowed away in the banana barrel. Ate my way to the bottom. Mm, Charming. Hey, Indy. Who's this, babe? Your intellectual and emotional superior. Yeah? Well, you're getting on my nerves, miss. Miss. Doctor Claire Clark. Betsy Tuffet. As in curds and whey? Listen, sister. You better stay away from Indy. My dear, he has no interest in me. I've already celebrated my 10th birthday. Look, Betsy. Why don't you get back on the boat? This time... As a passenger. Too late, Indy. Scraggy points to the ocean liner. The boat is several feet from the shore, sailing back out to sea. When's the next one out? Two weeks. Nothing wrong with that scene. Shall we move on? (laughs) No, there's... I'll stop you there, Cambo. I'll go on. That is insane Mm. that that's made it to... There's so much wrong... Even her comment was like, "Oh, I've uh, had my tenth birthday." Like, what are you trying to say there? What mm. are you? What are you? Mm. That's 
this is disturbing. This is ruining Indiana Jones right now. Um, I, I will warn you of this. A trigger warning, maybe. Yeah. It gets worse before it gets better. Wow. <laughs> wow. And how irritating are they making her? Yeah. And at the same time, he didn't you haven't they been together? Yeah. So yeah. they have they're, been they're, together. They've slept together. But he's kind of denying it to save face. But and then look, you, you can't turn around and sleep with someone and be like, well, she's just got a crush on me, you yeah. know, schoolgirl crush. It's yeah. like, no, you've had your way with her. You've set up a sort of a, 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 a master <laughs> and student sort of relationship. Yeah. This is outrageous. Yeah, he's hanging the cat. Yeah, it's hang- he's, ha- he's hanging the cat out to dry. That's wow. So, and, and what I find interesting is um, so you've got Betsy, and she is very much in the model of the Temple of Doom. You had uh, fish out of water. Yeah, as, as Steven Spielberg's wife, I forget her character's name, but she is this like fish out of water. She's yep. loud. She screams a lot. She yep. fumbles a lot. Uh, whereas in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you had Marion, who yep. was a very straight shooting, didn't yep. want any of Indiana Jones's crap. Yeah, she and was- you have those parallels here with Claire, obviously being. I don't want any stuff. I'm going to call you out on this. And Betsy being the infatuated, incompetent kind. So they've kind of combined his two former. Um, uh, female uh, yeah. uh, sidekicks into these two characters in the one movie. So they just put them both in the same film. Yeah, essentially. So the best of both worlds, as opposed to as different up characters, with- but you're yeah, the same archetypes. Yeah. So during this scene, we see that uh, the whole group is being tracked by a Nazi soldier called Guttenberg. Who, fun fact, has a mechanical arm. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> now, before Indy leaves the docks, we discover that he has had a tracker placed on him. Gutterberg is working for a general called Mephisto. The Nazis are tracking and spying on Indiana Jones. Ever since the Lost Ark, Hitler has been very interested in Indiana Jones. Oh, so this is more of an actual sequel. Sequel, sequel yeah. Where there, it's like the events of... Because the other thing about Indiana Jones, a lot of it is... Self-contained. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every story is like that Pulp Fiction sort of... Yeah, yeah. this is the little thing. So now this is creating more of a narrative and being in terms of, oh, they've had... The Lost Ark. Yep. And now the Nazis are on the hunt. It's it's up until the f- the fourth one, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull does this, is why it references part yeah. film. But up until that, this is the first Indiana Jones film to ever reference the events Another of any, yeah. any other Indiana Jones film. So Indiana Jones is taken to meet Taiki, the pygmy from the film he saw earlier. Upon meeting him, Indy asks why he looks so young despite being over 200 years old. As way of explaining... Claire shows him into a separate room in which the peach pit sits on a table. Indy examines the pit as a fruit fly buzzes around him. Indy swats the fruit fly, much to Claire's annoyance. She explains, fruit flies only live 24 hours, but since it had been in the same room as the peach pit, it had been alive for over three weeks. Oh. So there's, there's obviously some kind of a, um, mystical power coming from this peach pit. That so is we're giving we're, people elongated life. When we say peach pit, are we meaning that like it's a peach? Yes. So I, uh, what Marcus said earlier in his uh, like a peach tree. Yeah, he's, a, he's got a tree of immortal peaches. So obviously, is the, that a thing in the legend? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So okay. Sun Wukong uh, in the Chinese legend was his whole thing was about eternal life through peaches. Through peaches, yeah. And he's a big fan of peaches. Love peaches. Okay. Loves a peach cobbler. So, th- so this does have the through line of I- immortality in the yeah, in, in yeah. terms of if you look at what ended up happening with Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, a, a, a lot of, of the the um the, the themes of Raiders uh, of a lot of the themes of Last Crusade. The Last Crusade, thank you. Uh, show up 
in this movie. And in fact, there's other things that show up later on that are also direct parallels to to The Last Crusade, albeit with more manipulative relationships between Indy and his uh, and his students Just in this nah. one. Not as prevalent in the other one. Yeah, correct. Though he does sleep with a Nazi in that one, so swings it around. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Taiki explains via Scraggy, who was translating, that he is from Land of City on Clouds and reveals that he is carrying a scroll with ancient Chinese writings and proverbs. So this whole scene in which they're discovering all this is intercut with a joke about Betsy wrestling with a chimp. <laughs> For no is that a euphemism? Reason, no. Um, Betsy, remember we used to wrestle when like they chimps. Ar- when they arrive at this facility and they're, they're questioning Taiki and they're finding about the immortal peaches, the whole time in the background, Betsy is coming to blows with a chimp. Because that's that's comedy, Eden. Well, it is. It is that whole. It's that foreground, background. You have the slapstick comedy going in the background as they're discussing something serious in and the foreground. To the point where everyone in this script is so mean to Betsy, it extends to animals. Wow. Because <laughs> the first thing Claire says to her, "I'm your emotional and intellectual Sexual superior." superior. Yeah. When she tries to kill herself in front of Indiana Jones, he's more worried about, about his, his whip. <laughs> <laughs> and now this chimp just sizes her up at minute one. It's he like. Goes, Mate. You and me, we're gonna take <laughs> we're gonna take it right now. So uh this scene ends with Indy deciding that the scrolls uh they need to take a look at the scrolls and decipher them. So while everyone is out at the jazz club trying to decipher the scrolls, Taiki sits in his room alone when suddenly Gutterberg enters and begins shooting up the room using his mechanical hand. Which is also a gun. Yes. I will read from the script. Gutterberg stands in the doorway. His finger begins to rapidly fire bullets. His mechanical arm is actually a machine gun. Love it. And this is actually a concept that was supposed to be in Raiders of the Lost Ark. The main Nazi henchman in Raiders of the Lost Ark was supposed to have a hand that turned into a gun. A machine gun. Yeah. So it's another one of the... Indiana Jones is rife for this, where they have ideas that never made it into a, a one film, and they were... Always recycle it into another yeah. film. So we now cut to the the club that uh, everyone's at trying to decipher these scrolls and they're trying to work out what their next step is. Sun Wukong run like fire. He journeyed to many monkey land to build his final empire. Who's Sun Wukong? Many monkey land? That's a definite reference to Africa. Africa? He journeyed to Africa? That confirms our suspicions that he may have formed his civilization here. What civilization? Betsy, keep your trap shut. This doesn't concern you. Fine. Terrific. Who cares about this stuff anyway? We're in a nightclub. We should be having fun. Come on, Indy. Let's dance. Later. What a bunch of stiffs. (laughs) Bet you can't dance. Quite the contrary. I spent several months studying dance. Oh, yeah? What do you know? The bunny hop? The jitterbug? The Bondogi, the Kibi Kibi, the Dungamaro. Huh? African tribal dance. Never heard of them. Of course not. They're beyond the spectrum of your microscopic world. With his golden hooped rod and its powerful lightning rays, Sun Wukong built Water Curtain Cave, where he lived for 500 days. The golden hooped rod? A heavenly staff with many different powers, most notably, it had the ability to transform itself into hundreds of objects. It remains the most priceless treasure of Sun Wukong's empire. And what is the water curtain cave? Sun Wukong's legendary hideout. An enormous secret cave hidden behind a running waterfall. 
This proves that the water curtain cave exists in Africa. Does it mention anything about Sun Wukong's travels? Only place called Twisted Snake Water. The Zarnbezi River. It has a reputation for its deadly water snakes. It would have been Sun Wukong's logical path. It will also be our logical path. Because the best place to decipher ancient uh, text is in a jazz club. Jazz club. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) So they're they're now looking for something called the Water Curtain Cave because they think that's going to lead them to the lost city of Sun Wukong. Well, it is because it's in the the scroll. scroll. Can I say their real MVP so far of this is Scraggy? Who seems to be ignoring this weird trifecta of Mate, big up to Scraggy. Manipulate. I know. He's, he's why, just doing his job. Why they're all fighting and bickering with each other. He's like, shut your trap, Betsy. And she's like, I hate you, Betsy. It's outside your microscopic world. And he's like, anyway, yeah, getting on with this. is <laughs> <Here's> the plot. <laughs> but even, man, again, it's, it's so carbon copy of the other female leads in the other films yeah. in terms of, ah, I just want to yeah. do this. I want to. Yeah. I tell you what, the other films didn't have that this does have. This whole scene, and I had to cut out of the audio recreation because there's no way to really do it Justice. through audio. But there is an ongoing joke throughout this scene where Claire thinks that Betsy is giving Indiana Jones a hand job under the table. <laughs> Wait, so, I have I have nothing to say to that. Claire keeps seeing the table kind of like rocking and bouncing. And she kind of she shoots glances at Indiana Jones, and he'll shrug, and he'll kind of. Yeah. And she, the the implication is she thinks that Betsy is fooling around with him under the table. So we now cut to the the Nazis are loading Taiki into their speedboat. They've kidnapped him from the facility. Hey, what? Oh yeah, the Nazis said, burst yeah, in yeah, earlier. Yeah, Nazi, machine, yeah, gun machine gun hands. Yep. So they're loading him into the speedboat when suddenly they're interrupted by Indiana Jones. Gutterberg shoots at him with his hand as they speed off. And Indy and the gang drive in Scraggy's car down the docks after the Nazis. Again, Scraggy. And Scraggy's <laughs> car. What were they done with that, Scraggy? What type of car do you reckon Scraggy drives? Probably some kind of pimp Rolls Royce. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. Scraggy, he's got some money. Uh, so as the docks end, Indy jumps from the car onto the speedboat. And there, tell me if this sounds familiar. Yep. There's a huge speedboat chase yep. action sequence. Very similar to Indiana Jones and the Last, Last Crusade. Crusade. Very similar. Even to the point... Do they have the propeller? A speedboat is crushed between two ocean liners. Good, yep. Yeah. So it, yep. it's it's actually almost yeah. beat for beat the same speedboat. That's pretty sequence, much at the same time, yeah. Which seems to me like that's it. Because in the grand scheme, this isn't that important to the plot. No, the speedboat. They, they could have just had the Nazis take him. Yeah. But this is obviously an action sequence that they'd always thought would be a really cool, interesting action yet sequence. Yeah, to do. So it made its way into this script before it also eventually made its way into the And script. if you think about it, what we haven't really had anything happen yet. No. Everything's I mean, just been... Well, there was the ghost fight. And the suicide attempt. And the suicide attempt. But in terms of action <laughs> the sequences... Fight. Yeah, well, the slastic <laughs> monkey fight. Okay, so there have been things that have happened, but nothing... There's no, no been adventure nothing, beats quote or Nothing, quote, unquote, good. Good, yeah, correct. <laughs> and, and this, I think, also gives us a real look into... If you're a screenwriter that's hired for this franchise film, they're clearly like, this is what we want you to write, but you need to have this sequence, yep. you need to have this sequence, because they're kind of copying and pasting them. So... They end up recruiting a small crew via Scraggy, MVP, uh, and they rent a boat. And with this, the gang heads down the Zambezi River in search for the famed Water Curtain Cave. So you know when they're called the snake, what do they call the river, the snake? Uh, Twisted Snake Water. Twisted Snake Water, right. Surely that's a description of like... The river itself looks like a twisted snake. I I think- Not that he's like, oh, yeah, there's all these snakes in the river. Well, it would almost- 
I think it's meant to be like twisted water, like a river, yeah. and snakes in it. Like that, oh, that's what know. I interpreted. In fact, until you said that very thing you said, I hadn't actually considered yeah, it the other way. Yeah, see, I think this needs another draft. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's several. <laughs> <laughs> so why they're on the boat uh, heading down the Zambezi, uh, Indiana Jones gets a moment alone with Claire and he thought maybe it's time to make a better impression. What is that awful aroma? Scraggy's taking a shower. He believes that onions keep bad spirits from entering his body. In all my years of anthropology, I've never run across anyone or anything quite like Scraggy. He's a rare breed. You're looking very lovely. You're looking very lecherous. He's trying to be friendly. Save it for the schoolgirls. Betsy's just an anxious archaeology student. She admires my work. Who can blame her? But it's just some kind of hero worship thing. There was never any romance. I dreamed about our first night together. You're writing this down? I'm keeping an accurate record of our journey. What's that got to do with my personal life? Evidence. I plan on testifying at your child molestation trial. Why do I do this to myself? Hey, lady. You're supposed to be a doctor. You got any cures for a hangover? The best I've heard it was used by a New Zealand tribe. One part crushed owl skull, two parts rhino saliva, one part zebra dandruff. Excuse me. How far we travel, Indy? Almost 20 miles. Any sign of the Nazis? As long as we keep up this pace, they'll have trouble tracking us. Wow. They really, you were not wrong when you said it gets worse. It gets worse. That's insane that (laughs) you would drop stuff like that. She straight out accuses him of child molestation. But is that a sign? I'm just trying to figure out, is that a sign of the times? Or is that that today being like, this is outrageous? I think that would have been pretty outrageous even back then. Yeah. I also, this is what I want to know. Christopher Columbus was given the uh, the instruction to make this family friendly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. And he's got jokes about suicide, well, hand jobs, and child molestation. Well, I think he maybe took it from the sense of, yeah, you need kids to love it. So he's like, oh, cool. I'll put someone loving kids yeah. <laughs> in the movie. There you go. I don't see what the problem yeah. is. There's kid love. To be fair, this is pre-Harvey Weinstein scandal. Yeah. People didn't know any better. Hollywood was rife with this kind of stuff. This is outrageous. <laughs> so during this scene, in fact, at the very end of this scene, a mysterious sound is heard in the distance but disappears. Just remember that, Eden. The crew ignore this. As they continue on the riverboat, one of the boat's crew speaks into the radio in perfect German. Oh, oh. there's someone amongst them that is going to betray them. And, I, and he's got great diction. Great, perfect German. <laughs> perfect German. <laughs> so we now cut back to the Nazis. We've met our friend Gutterberg. Machine gun hands. Machine gun hands. Uh, he is seated. This is from the script. He is seated in Nazi headquarters. He repairs his detached machine gun arm, which sits on the table before him. Behind Gutterberg, a group of Nazis listen to the radio transmission of Scraggy's treacherous crew member, who discloses the location of the riverboat. The Nazis chart out the boat's exact location on a large wall map, Tyke bound and gagged to the side. And then Mephesto, the, the, the man above all of them, the general, says, We must leave immediately. 
Oh my god, we have come to the end of part one of Indiana Jones and the Monkey King. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we would love it if you could subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. It really does help us get discovered in the charts. It would also be terrific if you could give us a five-star rating or most importantly of all, just tell a friend. We are completely independent here at Cancelled Movie Report, so your support really does mean the world to us. Hey, what did you think of the movie? Did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you. You can always get in touch with us via cancelledmovies at gmail.com or at cancelledmovies on all of the socials. And hey, maybe there's a cancelled movie project you've always wanted to hear about. Why not let us know? You can fill out a form in the episode description alerting us to a project and we may give it the cancelled movie report treatment. I'm Michael Campbell. I hosted and edited this episode. Eden Porter was my co-host too. And we both produced the show. Sam DiLorenzo was the sound engineer. We would also like to thank our special guest, Chris Lum, who played Indiana Jones this episode, and our entire voice cast, all of which you can find listed in the episode notes. Make sure you keep listening to part two next week, the conclusion, but here is a sneak peek. After the apes rip the hatch off, they jump inside, knock the crew unconscious. Next time we see them, they're driving they're the tank. They're not driving the tank. They're and not. wearing no, the tank no, crew's no. Nazi no, uniforms. they're not. They're not dressing up in the Nazi uniforms. They're, they're driving a tank. Yeah, they are. And until next time, take care.